0: This is a special edition EM Cases Podcast, and I'm Anton Hellman. In a couple of minutes, you're going to hear my friend and mentor, who you've probably heard on EM Cases a few times before, Walter Hemel. He gave what many of us feel is his most powerful ever talk at the very recent first ever virtual EM Cases Summit. All I did was ask him to tell us what he's learned in 40 years of practicing emergency medicine. And what did we get? We got gold. The pandemic has been very tough for all healthcare professionals. The world's a different place. Most of us have found our jobs really difficult. I feel that there's a lot of anger and frustration out there and I find that within myself sometimes too. Well, if you feel this way, you're not alone. And there are ways of dealing with the adversity we face almost every day. Put on your seat belts because Dr. Himmel is going to take you through a whirlwind of ways to think about dealing with adversity and living a satisfying life in these difficult times. This podcast will display a video of Dr. Himmel with his slides. So if you're not driving, please watch the video.
1: 40 years of emergency medicine, what have I learned? Well, that's quite a subject. So here's my message to you. Thank you. What you do matters. You save lives and save people every day and every moment. And you can do a lot of good and a lot of harm. First, I want to thank two individuals. You're looking at them right now. I want to thank Anton Hellman and Scott Weingart. And Scott Hellman, every time I want to get lazy, every time I lose my interest, he gives me a homework assignment. And boy, do I get anxious not tight about it. But by the time I'm finished, I have learned so much. Thank you, Anton and Scott Weingart. Fantastic physician, great human being. He has taught me so much about evidence-based medicine and logic and thinking and how to make a diagnosis and the value of pre-test and post-test probabilities. Thanks guys. The impact you've had in my life is remarkable. Now, resilience. Aren't you getting sick of the word resilience? I like the word anti-fragile, it's a new term. So here's the problem with resilience. Here's the problem with nursing and medicine and healthcare and life. You've got a plan. It's going to work great. You've been to a lecture. You're motivated. And then you get a punch in the face. Everyone's got a plan till they get punched in the mouth. So here's your plan. Be prepared to get punched in the mouth because if you feel like you're under attack at work and at home and in the streets of Toronto and the streets of the world, you are under attack. You are correct. And I've got a few tips that have been lovely for me to discover and to develop. What you do matters. That's what Mel Herbert's been saying from EM Rap for 21 years, starting with volume one, number one, but it's deeper than that. What you do matters every moment and every day, whether you're shopping, whether you're at Tim Hortons or Starbucks or on the street or cutting off somebody, somebody off on the highway, everything you do has a massive impact on the people around you, your colleagues, security officers, your patients, their families, your impact is immense and you can do a lot of good. In one moment, you can give people encouragement and save lives or you can destroy them and leave a scar that lasts a lifetime. That's how powerful each and every one of you are. And this is why you've got to be prepared because you are under attack and you are gonna get punched in the mouth. It actually gets much more pleasant than that. Here are my goals today. I'm gonna talk about the most important skills, love and logic. I'm gonna talk about empathy and I'm gonna tell you what empathy is and why it matters. It will keep you healthy. I'm gonna talk about curiosity and framing and resilience, or as I prefer to say, anti-fragility. Now I've got a few warnings for each and every one of you. These are starting points. Life is complex. There are many exceptions, in fact, there's more exceptions, and there are principles and rules, and I might upset some of you uh, for a moment here there. So I want to talk about burnout for a moment. Burnout. Wow. Well, let me tell you what I think we've been experiencing. I have been experiencing for the last uh, uh, 67 years on and off, but especially the last two years. In the last two years, I have questioned everything I ever believed in. Politics, democracy, governments, medicine, hospitals, healthcare. my colleagues, my managers. I'll be quite frank about it. I've been extremely depressed until recently. In fact, had I walked into the emergency department and had a psychiatrist ask me through four months ago, have you ever thought of harming yourself or anybody else? Or anybody else? What do you think I would have said? I'm not going to tell you but I've got some good news for you. I've been quite euphoric for the last couple of months because after a year and a half of adversity, I'm starting to come out of it. Now, some of you I know are depressed. Some of you already are into PTSD. Some of you are struggling. We're all at different places, but there is hope, as you're going to shortly find out. So Bertrand Russell is a Famous mathematician, philosopher, and social activists. Now, what did Bertrand Russell say? And I've been searching widely to understand what's going on in the world today. I've been searching since I was born in 52, actually. He said the whole problem with the world is that fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves. That is arrogance. What is arrogance? The belief that you are right. Wiser people are so full of doubts. So you've got to go to YouTube and put in the following words, Bertrand Russell, message for the next thousand years. This is a two-minute video, which was unbelievably invaluable to me and will be to you, I am sure. And here's what Bertrand Russell was asked. Two-minute video. He said, one last question, Lord Russell. If this film were to be looked at for our descendants, it's like a Dead Sea Scroll in a thousand years, what would you think is worth telling? Bertrand Russell is talking to you. Here's what he said. He would say, I have two messages. One is intellectual and one is moral. First, the intellectual. And this is difficult. Look at the facts. Look at the facts and ask yourself, what are the truths that the facts reveal? Deal with the world. I'm paraphrasing. Not as you wish it should be, but as it is. Look at the facts. And the second message was a moral message. Love is wise. Hatred is foolish. Now, he did not say love is stronger than hatred. In fact, that's pretty debatable. But he said love is wise and hatred is foolish. He said years ago, he's passed away now, that the world is becoming interconnected. Have you heard that before? I mean, there's 9 billion of us going through the same thing at the same time today. He said that as the world is getting more and more interconnected, we must learn to tolerate and to be able to manage people we do not like and ideas we do not agree with. Because if we do not, the world is in trouble. If If we do not learn to live together and to prosper together, if we not learn to live together, we will certainly, this is coming up and you can guess it, we will certainly die together. Now, life is difficult. If you're a student, parent, roofer, doctor, nurse, social worker, social activist, you will be challenged and punched in the face on a regular basis, love and logic. Now let's talk about expectations. If you belong to a college of nurses, college of social workers, if you have an employer or a boss, a parents, expectations they all have expectations i mean look at this this is from the uh, college in canada you're supposed to be a professional a communicator collaborator a medical expert a scholar a health advocate and a leader and you've got a whole host of expectations and you're getting emails every day do virtual medicine don't do virtual medicine work for less do wow expectations but what's the one thing you never hear how you get the where what where when who Nobody talks about the how. And you and I both know exercise and yoga and push-ups and being a vegetarian isn't adequate for dealing with the challenges of life. They're very helpful, of course. So how and what are the metrics? How do you measure your life? How do you measure what you're supposed to do? What are the metrics? So listen up. This is a very important question. What do you call a hostile, resentful, burnt out person with seven expectations, limited resources, vague, specific metrics? That's you and me. What do you call that person who's working in a system that is complicated, complex, chaotic, and not able to help you? What do you call that person? Exactly. That person is you, a normal health care professional. So, the how. And this is quite beautiful, actually, the how. The two skills and the two support systems, the empathy and the curiosity and the support systems are your fellow humans and knowledge. I'm going to define empathy and curiosity, but I will begin by saying the following. With empathy, you will not get angry. With empathy, you will get through the day without becoming anger, and anger is destructive. And with curiosity, you will not become bored, with curiosity, you will not get burnt out. Because once you become bored, your life will be hell. All the money in the world and all the praise in the world will not save you from PTSD and boredom and your humans and knowledge. What is empathy? Now, what the hell is empathy? Empathy is a belief and a skill It takes practice. Empathy is the belief. Empathy is the belief that people are entitled to their feelings. People are entitled to their feelings. That is the belief. And it is the belief that if you knew their story, their feelings would be absolutely understandable. Not lovable, not understandable, but understandable. Why is the skill important, the ability to understand people are entitled to their feelings? Because when you practice that skill, and you remind yourself they're entitled to their feelings, they become tolerable. They become understandable. You don't get angry. And believe me, you're gonna meet a lot of angry, unpleasant people. In fact, you probably have been meeting tons of them lately. Now, here are two very important expressions. The first one comes from Lou Holtz, a famous football coach. I put these expressions in my brain on a daily basis. I gotta remind myself, People need love the most when they deserve it the least. Isn't that the truth? People need love the most when they deserve it the least. That describes your patients, your colleagues, your parents, your children, your significant others, your pet dog. This is the truth. And until you can accept that truth, it's going to be a tough day, a tough year, a tough career, a tough life. There's a wonderful book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, translated to over 30 languages, written about 25 years ago by Stephen Covey. Habit number five, seek first to understand, then be understood. These are the essential ingredients of empathy. Seek first to understand, then be understood. If you want to know why lecturing people and telling people what to do produce anger and hostility, there's the answer. You've got to do the work up front. Curiosity. What in the world is curiosity? Curiosity is a belief that everything you believe, everything you think could be defective or wrong. I'm not saying your values, your values are your principles, man, some of your principles are amazing, hold on to them. But the facts, as you interpret them, your thoughts could be wrong. It is the belief your thoughts could be wrong. And what is the skill? Only when you begin to understand that your thoughts could be wrong, your understandings could be limited, then can you use the skill of curiosity to say, what the hell is going on? What just happened? With curiosity, every day will be interesting. With empathy, no day will make you angry. If you're not getting angry and every day is interesting, you are gonna be awesome. And believe me, in my opinion, there's only two options in this life, awesome and hell curiosity, empathy, skills, and belief systems. How about support? That's our fellow human beings, our friends, our colleagues, our fellow humans. Every time you walk into Starbucks, Tim Hortons. Every time you drive in the street, you're interacting with a fellow human. You can touch the lives of thousands of people in a positive manner. I will discuss a bit of knowledge shortly. So first, a little bit of a story. Now, I'm going to talk about COVID-19, but this isn't just about COVID-19. This is about every minute of your life, the moment you were born, and probably before. COVID-19. Yellow is not my favorite color. I cannot see through a fog. Starbucks. Like, I don't cook, man. I go to Starbucks all the time. It was gone. I hate shopping. Lineups. I need to exercise as they fit. The whys have closed down. Now, what is your adversity quotient? (laughs) I've got two things to say about adversity. Number one, it's inevitable. You'll be punched in the mouth. Number two, adversity is fantastic. After a year and a half of um, grief and depression, I've actually been euphoric for a couple of months now. Uh, (laughs) It's not because I'm bipolar. It's because I've been thinking and asking questions. I finally let go of a lot of my beliefs and I'm rediscovering the world as it is. So you Adversity means you start to exercise with a mask on. And 20 minutes later, you feel like the guy in the middle, which is terrible. And at the end of it, you're about to collapse. But wow, it feels great if you can get through it. And not everybody can get through it. Work on your adversity quotient, the ability to be under attack and to be prepared. I want to tell you a story. That fellow to your uh, the suit on. That's not me on a before-and-after diet picture. That's my twin brother. And this is a personal story, but it relates to everything I do in my job. It relates to the people I talk to. This story relates to you. My brother and I, we're 16 years of age today. We, for the last 67 years, prior to COVID-19, could not have a conversation lasting more than five minutes. We argue about everything. He's a bit on the right, a bit on the left. We disagree about everything. Five minutes was our maximum conversation. Not too much empathy and not too much logic. And after a conversation would go bad, we often wouldn't talk for six months. And what's happened in the last two years? I dropped my certainty. I've practiced empathy. I let him have his feelings, which means I'm able to listen to him. And we've had massive conversations and massive talks. After 67 years of aggravation and intolerance. What did COVID teach me? What did adversity teach me? Don't be a jerk. Seek first to understand, then be understood. People you love the most when they need it the least. Become tolerant, be empathetic. Don't be arrogant. You might not have it all right. Don't be too certain of what you think. Man, these are powerful lessons. They've made my life lovely. I've actually been in a great state of mind for eight weeks. I know this is irritating some of you, particularly those who are depressed and sad and exhausted and broke and traumatized. There is hope. If I can learn this at 69 years of age, there is hope. Who benefits if you can manage adversity? Your friends, your colleagues, the patients, the worlds, Everybody you touch will benefit. This effect is amplified. This is the how. Now, a brief review. You will get punched in the mouth. Adversity is everywhere. Reframe the way you look at adversity. Adversity is a hit to the head, an opportunity for growth. You learn nothing from success. You learn nothing from happiness. Happiness is a transitory momentary state. But when you recover and manage adversity, it's not happiness you achieve. It is self-worth, self-respect, and purpose. It is satisfaction. These are powerful concepts that derive from adversity. And you'll have lots of opportunities. And you've probably had lots of opportunities in the past 10, 15, 20 years. You need love Minimal requirements for survival in this world. You need friends for support. And of course, what's the most important corollary here? You need a friend and you need to be a friend to have a friend. Now, I'll be quite frank. I suffer from some social phobias. I tend to be introverted. I've had to really push myself to reach out and make friends. and I actually made more friends in the last 18 months than the previous 30 years. That's what at first he did to me. I guess they say in the common jargon, hit rock bottom. You've got to grow up because there's nowhere to go except hell or happiness. Now I've got to talk a little bit about thinking. This is profoundly important. Thinking. This is based on the book by Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. Uh, there's another book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink. It's not quite as amazing, but it's pretty good. There's two systems of thinking, system one and system two. Now, listen up, this is deep. System one is pattern recognition. It's the way we think most of the time. Pattern recognition is hiding into our limbic system. We make quick decisions, quick assessments. Why do we do it? It's about survival. The The decisions are often accurate. The impressions are often accurate, but there's a problem with system one thinking, which we use most of the time. Occasionally, you're dead wrong. You occasionally shoot the wrong person. System one thinking without reflection called system two can lead to cognitive errors, racism, hatred, judgmental behavior. We use system one thinking all the time, but be careful. You could be wrong. System two thinking is deep, logical thinking, looking at the facts. It's not natural. What does it take to be a system two thinker? a willingness to admit you could be wrong, a willingness to recognize something's not right, a freedom from arrogance, and of course, emotional control. The most important skill to develop, to have a happy life and make the world a better place is emotional control. Because system one and pattern recognition is tied into emotional control. It's based on all your views and all your experiences. And to the extent they are defective, you could have a problem. Remember, and here's what I've learned, do not confuse what is familiar with what is true. For 68 years, I have a lot of ideas which are familiar to me, and suddenly they blew up. What is familiar is not necessarily true. This is worth thinking and self-empathy and emotional control plays a role. So where is wisdom? Conferences and books and lectures and good friends, but you got to be careful about friends. Some of your friends just make you more of what you are. So, is there wisdom in the news? Biased. Social media? Biased. Politicians? Biased. Your boss? Biased. Your hospital? Biased. I mean, your boss better be biased. If your boss isn't biased, uh, they could lose your job any moment. Be selective where you look for information. And the most important point is seek opposing views. Seek and read and listen to views you do not like. You find painful to listen to. In a polarized society, in a society where you're fed more of what you are, you've got to seek opposing views to maintain sanity, to maintain empathy, and to seek wisdom. So let me tell you a story to summarize everything I say. I was working at the Green Zone at Michael Guerin Hospital, the former East General Hospital. Now, the Green Zone of North York is called the Yellow Zone Uh, it's a long story why sometimes it's green, sometimes it's yellow. But nonetheless, this is a zone where patients are healthy enough where they can walk and sick enough where they need 10 hours of investigations and lab tests. I mean, you know what the green zone is and the yellow zone is? It's a pandemic of unhappiness, a pandemic of misery, a pandemic of unpleasantness. All you have to do is ask any nurse who's worked in the green or yellow zone and you'll quickly find out It's a pandemic of unhappiness. So here I was working at the yellow zone a few months back, and there was a patient who was just insane. They'd been asking time and time again, how long will it be? And they got the usual answer. I don't know. They blew up. They were bleeding. Security got called. And when you're in chaos, you call security because chaos is a bad place to be. And there's going to be a (laughs) takedown right in the green zone about 20 feet where I was by a patient who wasn't even my patient. So here's what I did. I've been punched in the face, so I'm getting used to it. I went over and I said, Mr. Dresden by his name, I'm Dr. Himmel. I'm here to help you. Well, you can imagine his response. But of course, you know, I I realized you've got to, love that people don't deserve it. I said, I'm gonna help you. Let's go to the room over there. And everyone's looking at me like I was pretty weird and see what would happen. He calmed down marginally. We went over to an empty room. In fact, it wasn't empty, but the person cleared out, so we got his room. And uh, I spoke to him respectfully. It wasn't easy. I reminded myself about the principles of empathy I taught. I sort of his laceration. And I was shaking. And I was so uptight and anxious about it. And he told me an amazing story. His son. had died at that hospital a year earlier. And then we parted. Uh, The world a better place and a takedown avoided. So one of my colleagues said shortly afterwards, boy, that was awful. And I said, "Um, yeah, actually it was pretty good. You see, i learned to reframe. Reframing means you take... One view of the world, and you look at it differently, and suddenly you feel differently. So I talked to my brother one day, and he said to me, you know, the patients are driving Not they're your brothers and sisters. So <laughs> here's what I do right now. Uh, when I see somebody I can't stand, and it, it's, an, I, I'm often, you know, my, my basic nature is not to be a great guy. I'm, I can be pretty nasty, at least I used to be in the old days, uh, pre-COVID, I guess. But here's what I do. I look at some of my patients and my colleagues when they irritate, me, I go, these are my brothers and my sisters. While wow, I reframe it, well, you don't have to like your brothers and sisters, but you have to love them. And my brothers said to me, like, some of them are dangerous, but they're your brothers and sisters. I was speaking to one of the clerks at my darling that day, and I told her, I said, These are my brothers and sisters. Now, every time I go, guess what we talk about? All my brothers and sisters. Every time there's a problem, we talk about my brothers and sisters. It calms me right down. It's, it's pretty hilarious. And it gives me great emotional control. It lets me love the people I do not like. And we talked a bit about facts and metrics. So here's my humble conclusions. You learn nothing from a good day. You may be happy for a moment. You learn nothing. I've had residents who've been destroyed, attacked, insulted by not patients, but their staff people. And they've been devastated. And I tell them, you know, you learn nothing from a good day. You learn from adversity. When you've had a bad day and make a mistake, that's when you learn. Now, don't make the same mistake three times. Adversity is a teacher. I've reframed the way I look at adversity. Now, I have to remind myself a lot because you lose these lessons quickly. I learned the power of love. Now, I'm not a wimpy, like, Pollyanna-type guy. My friends will tell you that. Love means I respect my fellow human being. Like, we're in this mess together. This is not a natural response at all. Natural response is... Listen to me. I need to be validated. I learned they've got to be validated first a lot. (laughs) Wow. Think and reframe. Reframing is a powerful tool, and it's a tool that puts you in a heavenly state as opposed to hell. Individuals might grow, you might grow. Of course, you've got a couple options with adversity, right? You could end up with PTSD. You could be resilient and you could end up back to where you were. But with amazing growth, and we're all capable of this. I mean, when I told you I'd been depressed for 16 months, I wasn't kidding. I couldn't think clearly. You can grow. And here is the important principles. Institutions, countries, nations often crumble, but individuals, which all of you are, have the potential to grow from the midst of hell, which describes the lives of many of us on a regular basis. Thank you.
0: All the books and videos that Dr. Himmel referred to are in the show notes on the EM cases website. I encourage you to read at least a couple of them. They are amazing books. We'll be featuring one or two more of the talks from the summit over the next few months. But if you're interested in viewing any of the talks you want anytime from the summit, you can purchase a digital package which gives you access to stream all of the talks. Uh, you can purchase access at emcasesummit.com, uh, which is a separate website from emergencymedicinecases.com. Um, and there's only a couple of weeks until podcast camp. Uh, that features a keynote talk by the rebel himself, Salim Rezae from Rebel EM. And all the information for that is at podcastcamp.org. Our regular podcast program will continue with part two of Red Flag Headaches that don't routinely show on plain CT with Roy Baskin and Amit Shaw. And we're going to cover cerebral venous thrombosis, giant cell arteritis, and idiopathic intracranial hypertension. So until next time, hope you're now better prepared for adversity and your work and life become more satisfying like Dr. Himmels has.